All right, Tim Blanchard here again with you. Divorce 661 Daily Perspective, Episode 44, Day in the Life of an LDA, where I talk about uh, consultations, issues that clients are having, issues people trying to do their own divorce are having, and going over these so you can learn from them and from me. Uh, today, we have a lot for you. I'm going to talk about, obviously, our consultations and new cases, judgment rejects, uh, but also we're going to talk about um, you know how to serve your spouse. We're going to talk about default with agreement versus default without agreement. And then I'm going to mix it up a little bit and talk about default with agreement versus uncontested. I'm going to talk about life insurance uh, issues. We're going to talk about uh, filing for legal separation for health insurance purposes. Um, we'll talk about judgment rejects when they're so bad, the court won't even let you know what's wrong with it. Uh, we're going to talk about online settlement agreements that you guys are using that are terrible. We're going to talk about... Uh, annulment a bit, had a consultation about annulment today and why I told them they could not do an annulment. Um, if you have children born before the marriage, we're going to talk about some of the extra paperwork that's involved in the divorce process with that and much, much more. So let's get into today's um, workload here. We had uh, six consultations. Two new cases were taken. One was a uh, rejected uh, divorce case. And the other one is a brand new case starting from scratch. Uh, the rejected judgment was one in Torrance uh, Court, and they did a pretty good job. You know, it's funny. I can tell when people have followed my uh, YouTube videos on how to do their divorce paperwork. I'll see some of the exact word for word written in information on the petition as well as the judgment. And I can tell that it's my work that they've reviewed. And, and even though I've told and explained in these YouTube videos exactly how to get your divorce done through the court, it still is tricky. There's still going to be some nuance with your case that's different that you're not going to know that I can't cover every nuance in a divorce uh, YouTube video, how to do your judgment. And that's what I think happened here. Um, they, I could tell they had followed along. They still had a couple of errors uh, with the court, little things um, like changing their names throughout the process on the forms. You can't do that. It has to always match the summons and petition. The, um, for their child custody order, they were listing their daughter's name with just first name and last name. And then on other documents, they're using first name, middle name, last name. And of course, that name should always match how you filed it on the uh, petition. So little nuances there that, that trip people up, but we were able to take over their case um, finally, they hired us today. We finalized it today. They're, I just sent it to them for electronic signature. Um, they had also filed a response, which not necessary, but does avoid the need for a notary so they can e-sign everything. And uh, probably when I'm done shooting this video, I'll be able to uh, e-file their paperwork with the Torrance uh, court. The new case was out of Pasadena, short-term marriage. I think they were married two years, no assets or debts. They didn't want any alimony or child support um, and uh, just joint legal, joint physical. They wanted to do it super uh, simple. Okay, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 things I want to talk to you about today. Um, I kind of gave you an overview at the beginning, but let's get into it. Number one, you need to know where your spouse lives as they need to be served. Had a consultation day with someone, had two consultations today with people that did not know where their spouse lived and they were not amicable, which is interesting. Um, when you go to schedule a free consultation with me, I have a couple of options. Are you in agreement? You know, yes, mostly just need some help. Uh, I just know I just want some free advice and no, we're not in agreement. If you mark the no box, then um, it does not allow you to schedule a consultation because I only handle clients 
that are amicable, cooperative, and will sign off on everything. <clears throat> the two issues with these folks, the first uh, consultation, uh, I said, how is it that you're amicable if you don't know where they live or, you know, we haven't had any communication with them? Um, so obviously I couldn't help them. Those are not the types of cases that I take. And, um, but they need to be served. So you're going to have to, I told him, you're going to have to find out where she lives. You're going to have to hire uh, a, um, a private investigator. You're going to have to do all the steps the court's going to require you to do to look for her and locate her so she can be served before they even consider the possibility of service by publication. I, I think people think that that's going to be an easy process, the service by publication. In actuality, the courts make you jump through so many hoops um, that if you follow those the, what they, if you follow what the court said you have to do before they will entertain allowing you to do service by publication, um, you will probably find your spouse because it's up and to including hiring a private investigator and taking 10 other steps, you know, showing that you've checked the yellow pages online or you've searched, scoured social media and showing proof that you did that and then explaining your results. And even so, to be honest with you, it's going to be faster to find your spouse than it is to do the service by publication because you have to not only put in the application for service by publication and get the court to approve it, but then you have to put it in the newspaper for 30 days. And then only after 30 days after that are they considered served. So it really is going to set you back about three months doing that. I would say, and all the people that have called me, except for the two today, I'm sure they'll call me back if they're able to locate them. I said, if you can find them, um, that's fine because they were simple, short-term marriage, no kids, no assets, no debt. So we can do a true default style divorce. We don't need them to agree. We would just file, serve them, wait the 30 days, turn in the default judgment. So, <clears throat> need a little bit of water here. The other one was, um, they said not in agreement, uh, but it was, again, all the same criteria, no assets, no debts, short-term marriage, no kids, um, no nothing, And uh, but spouse had moved to Canada and said they were not going to cooperate. That creates a whole another host of problems if uh, a spouse is out of country because all these international laws come into place about them being served and all that. So we, I don't touch those because they are highly complex, um, even in simple divorce cases. If they're you know don't know where they're at but they know they're out of country, there's a whole other process with serving that we just don't deal with. Number two. Default with agreement versus default without agreement. I can tell you of the half of the business that comes to me, there's people that are having their divorce cases rejected, um, falls into two camps. One, they're in agreement. They're trying to do a default with agreement, but the, they're getting their paperwork rejected. Usually it's just errors throughout the judgment package or errors with the petition or just some error in general. There's a lot of little, you know, one checkbox is missed. Don't dot one I or cross one T and it's cause for rejection in most cases. Um, but, uh, the other, and the other half of the folks, um, are trying to do a default without an agreement because they think it's going to be simpler because they don't have to involve their spouse. And there's, th that couldn't be further from the truth for those clients. I can tell when they call me and we have a consultation about, um, you know, their judgment being rejected and I can see the multiple rejects. And if I look at their case summary, I can see that none of the forms that the respondent should be signing are being filed. And I immediately can tell they're trying to do a default without agreement. And in those cases, I'll say, first thing I'll tell them on the consultation is, will they sign off? And they'll say, yeah, they're in agreement. I just didn't think to, you know, to bother them or there would be an issue to not involve them. You're always going to want to do a default with agreement versus default without agreement. Even if it takes longer to get them to cooperate and sign, because there's so many rules that come into place with a default without agreement, especially if there's kids 
especially if there's going to be child support or spouse support requested or spouse support requested to be uh, terminated, especially in cases with long-term marriages. It's going to cause a problem. Default with agreement. You guys get to call the shots. You get to have a settlement agreement. You don't have to divide all your property equally. You get to call the shots on custody. If you want no child support, that's fine. If you want no alimony, that's fine. That's the way to do it. That's where you're making the biggest mistake is not involving your spouse in in divorce cases where you guys are cooperative, but you're just not involving them in the process. Default with agreement is the way to go. If I haven't already said that, um, default without agreement should be a last resort. And that's how I treat it in our cases. I'll always say, let's get them involved. Let's you know, get some documents signed by them. They have to do their disclosures. They don't have to respond. That's why it's called default without agreement. Number three, I want to talk about default with agreement versus uncontested. Now, there's not a whole lot different with those two processes. Both both the petitioner and respondent are involved in the process throughout the entire divorce case, signing a settlement agreement. The biggest differences are procedural in nature. In a default with agreement, as I previously mentioned, a response is not filed. In an uncontested divorce case, a response is filed. That's the only difference. Oh, and by the way, and people always are, are not aware of this, by filing that response, triggers another $435 or $450 court fee, depending on what county you're in. So that's why we purposely do the default with agreement versus uncontested just to save our clients money. I always tell folks it's not wrong to file the response. It's just going to cost you money. Some of the clients want to file the response because that is an official appearance. And I, I you know that's fine. It doesn't make my process any more difficult. It's just different. a different judgment package gets filed with a court. It's a default with agreement judgment package versus an uncontested judgment package. So like the, this judgment I took over today, they had already filed the response. Uh, again, it's not wrong. They already paid the fees unnecessarily. Yeah, they hired me pre prior to that. They probably, I would have told them we're not going to do that. But again, it's not wrong to do, but um, I, that was the case I was able to take over and finalize for them. And there are some benefits uh, as well. If you don't want to do the notary, we can file the response. Um, if someone can't notarize their paperwork because they don't have ID, we've had that happen a few times, um, we can file the response. If you, in some courts, some counties, they want income statements filed when there's minor children and filing the response is a, a way to generally 99% of the time avoid having to do that. So there are some, when people call me, they'll watch these videos and they'll say, Tim, here's our scenario. I watched the video. We don't want to file the income statement, even though we have kids. So we, that's why we want to do the response. And that's great. They know exactly why they want to file it. And I'll confirm with them that, yes, that generally is the way to avoid having to file the income statement. Number four, life insurance when one spouse is the only earner. So we took on a case yesterday and um, wife is not working. Uh, husband is the sole breadwinner, if you will. And they've been married for a long time, I think 37, 38 years. And so in the consultation, I said, you know, on top of, you know, you guys dividing up your assets and all that, you may want to consider having your spouse get a life insurance policy for the sole purposes of protecting that spouse support. Because if husband's paying spouse support to wife, husband dies, spouse support stops. And if that's your only income, that's going to be a huge uh, problem for you. I think I've talked to several insurance agents and what they generally say is to get something like a 10-year term insurance, like not a whole life policy, but a term insurance policy um, to cover maybe 10 years of spousal support. So let's say spouse support is $10,000 a year payable for 10 years. That's $100,000. In this scenario, you could, uh, the husband could get a 10-year term life insurance policy for, uh, 
for $100,000 for 10 years that would cover in the event of his death, it would it would give to the former spouse the $100,000 policy as a beneficiary to cover that. Now, I know I, I've talked to some other insurance agents that say you can just get an annual plan each year, like year one, get it for $100,000, year two, get it for $90,000, year three, get it for, you know, 80,000. So you see how that's stepping down with each year because there's less support to be paid. Um, but when you when you compare those two, getting a one-year term policy, it seemed, and you can you can check this out for yourself, was going to be end up being more expensive because you're doing such a short-term policy and new policy every year. I guess it's better for the insurance agent to do that, is how it was explained to me. They make more commissions to write 10 separate policies than one single 10-year term policy, but check out either way. Um, cause I know that can, you know, depending on your age, um, getting life insurance and your health obviously can possibly be cost prohibitive, but it's definitely something you will want to talk to an insurance agent about. And we can include that in the settlement agreement as well. We can include that, you know, term policy will be held with the, the party receiving support as the beneficiary, um, for whatever period of time you guys agree to. Number six, no, number five, legal separation for health insurance purposes. Coincidentally, this same client that we're talking about, the life insurance, um, also has some medical issues going on, and, and that's why they're currently not working. They did work in the past. And she asked, Tim, can we put into the settlement agreement that he will continue to allow me to remain on his insurance policy post-divorce? And the answer is no, I've tried it. Uh, not recently, but in years past, we tried it. The court rejects the judgment every time because it goes against public policy, meaning once you're no longer a dependent, once the six months has passed and you're no, you're no longer dependent um, or married, um, then you can no longer be on your health insurance in, in 99% of the cases. So what I threw out to her as a suggestion, I said, if you, you, know, you guys are older, you've been married for a long time, but you don't plan on getting remarried, um, anytime soon that maybe we, we change this into a legal separation case. Now, a warning about that. When people call me and say, Tim, we, we want to file legal separation. And when I dig into why, usually it's for health insurance reasons. They want to remain on health insurance. If that's what you're thinking, and this is what I told her today, I said, call your spouse's health insurance or have him call and say, hey, if we get legally separated, can I remain on my spouse's health insurance and see what they say? Because some health insurance companies have um, started treating legal separation the same as divorce. So if they had gone through this legal separation case and they they treat it like divorce, they still wouldn't have to. They still wouldn't be allowed to be on the health insurance. Um, and then they're going to have to file for a divorce case later on, which would be a big waste of time and money. So I asked her to uh, check into it and see if that's an option for her, and if if she kind of met that criteria. Point of that story is if you're thinking legal separation for health insurance, call and see and make sure you can do that. Number six, when your judgment is so bad, they just say seek legal advice. So the, the judgment uh, uh, case I took over today was rejected multiple times, multiple forms missing, lots of forms filed. So many forms. It looked like when I first looked up their case, it looked like they had gone to trial because so many forms and amendments and rejections had been filed. And uh, so it was to the point where when they're that bad, the, the, the clerks that are reviewing the judgments, they won't, um, they're not going to go through it line by line and tell you how to fix everything. They're going to find one or two things and then they're going to reject it and say, you know, there's so many errors you need to see. You obviously are, are really messing this up and to seek legal advice. 
Um, I've seen that a lot because there's just too many issues. It's not their job to, it's their job to approve it and review it, yes, but not to call out every issue. And what we've seen is up to a half dozen judgment rejects from clients over and over submitting them, the clerk finding one or two issues, rejecting it, you fix it, turn it back in. They review it again, get a little further down the process, reject it for two or three more reasons. You fix that, turn it back in, and that keeps on happening. And I've had that uh, up to six times that we saw that that happened before someone actually hired us. And then when we take over, we finish them in a couple of days and we e-file it and they're done. So you can save yourself. If you guys have the money to hire me, I obviously recommend that highly because we can take these cases that are two, three, four, five, 10, 20 years old and finalize them in a matter of days and people are done and relieved and can move on with their life. Okay. Number seven, Please stop using the online settlement agreement templates you find online. Talk about this all the time. You know, you 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 know you need to have a settlement agreement as part of your your final judgment package and your divorce. And so people are googling, you know, California divorce online settlement agreement template. And there's a bunch out there, and I don't, some people are charging for, for those, but they're terrible. They're completely unnecessary. Do not use them. They have all this kind of you know, fancy language, whereas, you know, this and that, and whereas the parties, are, you know, it, all that boilerplate is unnecessary and ridiculous. And there's language in there that is causing your judgments to get rejected. A lot of times it's these online settlement agreements that you're then plugging in your own information, but not really reading it. And it sounds fancy and it sounds good, but it's causing judgment rejections. Whenever uh, um, someone hired me today and they said, here's our settlement agreement. I said, yeah, that is worthless. I can grab the parts from it that we need, like how much they wanted in child support and the list of assets and debts. But I like to use the forms um, where the counties allow it. LA County likes the forms. Some I told you yesterday, some counties do not. But 90% of the counties will allow you to use the forms. We're talking about the FL 180, the 341 custody order, 342 child support order, 343 spousal order, 345 property order. When you combine all of those forms, that it that that is the same thing as a settlement agreement. You still, you know, if there's no kids, then you don't need child support and you don't need uh, custody, obviously. But no matter if you want child support or not, no matter if you want uh, if you have any property or assets or debts to divide, you still need at a minimum the 343 and the 345 because you need to say there's no spouse support and there's no property. So that's what that looks like. Use the forms; it'll save you a lot of drama. Okay, number eight. I had a consultation today that they said they wanted an uncontested annulment. And the rationale for the annulment is because they said that they were married for a short period of time. Being married for a short period of time is not a reason you can have an annulment or even request an annulment. Keep in mind with divorce, it's irreconcilable differences. You don't have to prove anything to the court to say, hey, this happened or that happened. It's just, hey, irreconcilable differences. We want to file for divorce. Annulment is not like that. You have to get permission to file annulment with the court, and you have to go to like a mini trial, if you will. You have to, you can file for annulment, but you also have to file a request for order and have a hearing, and you have to go in and have a, you know, a little bit of uh, oral testimony, you and your spouse, to go in to explain why you think it should be an annulment. And there's only a handful, I think, six reasons you can get an annulment pre-existing marriage, and I don't know them all off the top of my head, but if you're already married and you got remarried, that's a reason for an annulment. And we've had those approved before, but none of the other cases or reasons uh, have we ever seen the court allow. 
Another one is unsound mind. Well, we had people go to Vegas, um, get married, get, you know, drunk, drugged up, both of them, uh, you know, woke up the next day, said, oh, crap, we got married. How do we undo this? We tried to file an annulment. I thought for sure this one will go through. Sent them to the hearing. They both attested that they don't remember the wedding, that they never intend to be married. You know what the judge said? He said, you know what? Too bad. So sad. Um, you guys need to grow up and this should teach you to go to Vegas and get drunk and get married. And he said, You're, you, you, this is going to be a divorce. So even though they technically met the criteria, the judge did not allow it, probably just to be mean. And like you said, teach them a lesson. But the annulments have to meet certain criteria that have to be proven in court that the judge then has to agree to and allow you to move forward with an annulment. So at the end of the day, after I after they said, well, it's just a short-term marriage, I said, you know, and this happens a lot. We've done three-day marriages that we had to do a divorce. So we told I told them, this is going to have to be a divorce. It does not qualify for an annulment. Number nine, declaration of paternity if child born before the marriage. So uh, we have quite a few cases, at least three a week, where there's children born before the marriage. Not a big deal. Um, you just have to address it on your judgment. There's some special... Uh, places on the 180, the uh, FL 180 judgment form, as well as the um, FL 170, where you have to indicate that if there's a, a specific box, you have to say uh, children born before the marriage. And you have to attach a declaration of paternity. So what they're referring to is when you were not married and had a child at the hospital, there would have been this four copy forms called uh basically a declaration of paternity it says you know the father is the fa is the father of the child the mother is the mother of the child etc uh, that's important because you're, in old california if you're not married then it's not assumed to be the child of the father okay so you have to have this declaration of paternity if you don't have one and in probably 99 percent of the cases i've had parties do either didn't get it or they've lost it or can't find it and so i will draft a stipulation um, of a declaration of paternity that basically I grabbed the language from that form and just put it into a court format. So not a big deal. It's just an additional document. And if you're doing your own divorce, you're not going to know that you have to attach that declaration of paternity. It asks you also to attach it to the petition, but it's not required if you don't have it. It won't cause your judgment to reject, but it does need to be attached to the 170 as part of your overall judgment package. Okay, so number declaration of paternity and child born said that. I'm going to skip to number 11 because number 10 was the same as number one, it appears. So number 11, divorce mediation. I don't do it. And it's not required. But what I recommend we do is start the process for you and see how far we can get just with my assistance. I, do, I will, will provide um, options, solutions. You can bounce things off of me. I don't call it mediation because I'm not sitting in a room with you helping you guys reach decisions, but I can fill in the blanks and give you information so you guys can make informed decisions. That usually helps in 99% of the time. And then if you guys cannot figure out something, you're just stuck on custody or child support, uh, spouse support, you don't agree on the numbers or how you're dividing your assets or debts, then go take those four, three, five issues to a mediator and I can refer you guys out. Go sit down, hash it out. And then once they help you reach an agreement on those issues you were having a rough uh, uh, rough, rough patch on, come back, and then we just move forward. But mediation is not required. Um, most of our clients figure out everything at the kitchen table, if you will. Um, I had a consultation today with a gentleman who said they're amicable, but they hadn't discussed any of the terms yet, but wife had already filed on her own. 
uh, in Proper. And I said, well, why don't you guys sit down, talk, you know, you're amicable. What you guys need to do next, the next thing, even if they were to hire me now, is we're going to start talking settlement and what are the terms. So I said, you might as well do that before you hire me. See how far you guys get. If you guys are able to figure it out, then great. Give me a call. I can take over. I'll have you upload your documents, I'll give you the settlement agreement template so you know the information I need to be able to finalize your divorce and we can just take over from there. That's all I have for you. Thanks so much for watching episode 44 of The Daily Perspective. We'll talk to you tomorrow.